When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you send money to your loved ones internationally, do it with the Western Union app. Once you've downloaded it, you can send money around the world or back home in just a few taps. So family and friends can pick up cash fast. Download the Western Union app and send money today. Western Union. Fast. Easy. Reliable. Offered by Western Union Financial Services, Inc., NMLS 906983, or Western Union International Services, LLC, NMLS 906985. Terms apply. Right, it is the Blue Room post-match. It's Dave Downey and Rob Vera, rather appropriately, a pair who I think many of our listeners will be used to about having um, quite similar... Um, I'm going to well, I will say negative thoughts, but the, uh, they they turn out to be correct, don't they, Rob? Um, in in the grand scheme of things, with this football club, and uh, once again, the chickens have come home to roost. Uh, Everton will be beaten two one away at Leicester City in a game which they took the lead, in a game which they could have arguably put to bed at one point, and uh, yet again we find ourselves uh, sitting here lamenting another defeat. Rob, what are your initial thoughts? Well, I would like to say that I, I don't know that I'm. I, I try not to be the most negative person mm-hmm. in the room. <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've certainly, I've certainly been one who has preached patience with Silva for a long time until last week when I, I finally kind of conceded that it was probably time for him to go, and or not probably, it, it's it's time. But um, I think my reputation probably comes from how much I've been pushing this curse angle, which. Mm-hmm feels less like an angle and more like my new religion at this point. So I'm, I mean, you guys could say it's not there, but it's, I'm out of words, uh, at this point. Um, though the irony is we're going to ramble on a lot, so maybe I'm not out of words, but (laughs) (laughs) you're out of new words. You are out of new words. Yeah. Like, you know, Dave, you, you allude to this sometimes, and I think you did right after the game, that this is just – it's a weird rea- – it's like a bad reality television experiment mm-hmm. that we joke about, but I, I don't know. It, it, it just feels like someone's sitting around and saying – you know, and someone says, all right, I need you to be like a creative brainstorm. Like like think about the people they hire for ad agencies yeah. and stuff. Like have you ever seen Mad Men, like those types yeah, of people? Yeah. Right? It's like it's like they sit, they sat someone in a room, like a real sadist, and said, "Look, I want you to think of the most tragic ways that you could lose a game, and I want you to just start, you know, build a tapestry out of them, and not only make it like a one-off here and there, but like a series of them into, mm-hmm. you know, not only a season, but if you can think bigger, into a period of years uh, where it won't matter." Who the, who the players are, who the managers are, who the ownership is. It just, it, it, it just, it, 
it is the most this curse, this whatever you want to call it. And again, I concede that there are logical elements as to why these things are happening because of the quality of the squad, because of the decisions of the manager, uh, a variety of factors play into this. But the bottom line is, is it almost doesn't matter anymore. There is a cloud that has a grip on this thing, the likes of which I've never seen in sports. Like Mm -hmm. I, I could, if I wrote this, Dave, if I if I said that this is something that would happen to a team over the span of about a three-year period, no one would believe it. They would think no. it was too outlandish and just too it, – it just feels too made up to the point where it wouldn't be entertaining. And it, it, But it's probably entertaining to those outside of this or people who don't care about Everton. But it, it just <clears> – I'm now going from that – that thing that we all do that's that defense mechanism that we all have to talk about how terrible it is and not that it's not true but just to talk about how terrible it is and uh you know how how we're cursed and all that that we kind of have a sideways smile about and i'm now transitioning into something more palpable and again we may look at this in a few months and think that i shouldn't feel this way but now i'm just scared man i'm 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 scared and I'm, I'm, I feel for this group. I don't think Silva or these players, you know, for whatever for whatever failures they have, no, no one deserves this level of having all of the gods against you all of the time, mm-hmm. the way that the Everton team do. We've got plenty to be mad about, but there are forces bigger than them at work right now. And and I just I feel dejected for us, and I feel dejected for them. And I, I, I don't know that I can just feel snide about it anymore. I'm just kind of it, – it, it's just worrying more than anything else. Yeah. Um, with, with your thoughts on the lineup at the start, uh, I, I actually didn't think there was much else Marco Silva could do here other than the usual sorts of gripes that many people come out with, and that would be to start Moise Keane, for instance. Um, there'd also be calls for maybe Alex Iwobi to play in a different role, going with five at the back. Is it sort of raising the white flag a little bit? But going off the, the first half performance, Rob, I, I was quite content at half time. I thought everybody stuck to the roles, and they were very particular roles that each of them were given. Um, Mason Holgate, Michael Keane, and Jenny Mina wouldn't have been used to playing in a three at the back together, um, certainly personnel wise. I thought they coped quite admirably with what happened um, in the first half and pretty much everything Leicester threw at them. In the midfield, similarly, I thought obviously Tom Davis had his work cut out and we'll, we'll get on to him in a, in a moment or two. But by and large, I, I was quite happy with the performance. I thought it was the, the, the best way we probably had a chance of getting a result at, at the King Power. Um, Leicester looked really frustrated at times in that first half. Uh, we were breaking them down really well. We looked like we had an outlet on the break with Calvert-Lewin, who I think he needed to put himself about a little bit more. Obviously, they've got a couple of real physical defenders there um, where he would have found it difficult on his own, but it's a, it's a task that he's been used to. And we scored an, a beautiful goal, um, one that you would like to think had been repeated many times so far this season because it looked that sort of a natural move where 
Sadibi gets in down the right hand side, whips in a lovely cross, and Richarlison, there he is, running across. It was a it was a goal similar to the one I think he scored at Lincoln in the Carabao Cup earlier this season, where he just gets in front of his man and that sort of flick power header into the far corner. And we're one 0 up at half time, and I'm thinking, well, this, you know, far too early to say phrases like the green shoot to recovery, but it was certainly much improved on anything we saw against Norwich. And I praised the half-time on, on my Twitter how well Marco Silva had done in terms of having this tactical nous to go up against the side that's second best in this league by some margin so far this season. I felt we got it right and, you know, for, for that reason, which obviously we'll get on to the, the inevitable collapse, but I, I was pleased at half-time and I, and I was content with the lineup as well, which, given the circumstances and without the hindsight of what was to come, um, felt well, uh, in a good place compared to a couple of weeks ago and, and what we saw against Norwich as well. How, how do you feel about that? So I, I had no real issue, obviously, with the, the starting 11 and the formation change because, as you said, <laughs> with one healthy central midfielder, and I know that they <laughs> kind of announced right before that Schneiderlin would be available, um, I mean, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. I, I, you know, look, as much as, as much as there are very, um, very viable critiques of Silva that revolve around his team selection, uh, of which have, you know, we, we don't need to list them. No. Um, he didn't do, he did all he could do here. And by the way, to your point, the plan the plan was fine and the plan worked. We played well in the first half and we actually put, you know, it, we'll, we'll forget it now, but we actually played well for about the first 10 to 15 minutes of the second half as well. But that thing that we do where we cannot build on any good fortune that we have in terms of, of capitalizing on chances, it's the inability once again uh, to not finish that has just compromise this thing time and time again to finish chances we have you know and, and that's that's the weird thing is that when Silva goes it'll be interesting about you know in terms of how we look back on a lot of this because you can't really argue that Everton have have not created enough chances clearly to score significantly more than they have yeah um, I, certainly we'd like to see more chances but it's the inability to finish that's really really stung them and the plan was working but once again, it, it comes down to this. Um, as much as we all want to, and I understand why, we all want to focus and, and kind of base every critique of how Everton ultimately performed based on the moves of Silva in terms of naming an 11 or an adjustment here or there, and, and those are certainly uh, relevant, it's, it's still ultimately an execution game, isn't it? We, don't, you know, we executed for about 60 minutes. But we didn't execute for long enough, especially when we, we concede the equalizer. That was just poor all around, uh, you know, by both Holgate and Keane, who didn't didn't you know create any resistance. Obviously, Tom Tom plays a role in both goals. It's just execution fundamentally in those key moments uh, that, that brought Lester back into the game. And, and really, the, the the ending hurts, and, and everyone will focus on the ending. But there was a period there after they equalized uh, where they, they looked like they could have scored three more goals yeah. if we're really honest with ourselves, right? Like, I, Lester, Lester's chemistry is so apparent, which is what you get when you start the same unchanged side for six straight matches, mm. uh, going against uh, the chop and change of Everton that has obviously been enforced by injuries and a variety of issues, but 
I think that I think that that's what we saw again was the inability to take that one nil to take that good good play and to to you know create a second goal it just and again who knows if two goals lead is safe against Leicester depending on how they they get into the game in the second half but the bottom line is that when you score only one goal uh you're you're susceptible you're susceptible to whatever and 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 once again Everton are just in a place where the kinds of mistakes that uh teams are able to get away with sometimes right now it feels like we cannot get away with any mistakes mistakes it feels like uh we are punished for every one of them and if we were and frankly if we were punished a little bit more more in this game it it could have been a worse margin but but not finishing and then those those critical mistakes at critical times once again uh compromised what really was a good plan by the manager Mm -hmm. this this was this was a failure of the play of, of the players part in terms of performance and critical mistakes but but as we get to the question, I know there will be people out there screaming at the <laughs> screaming at their speakers right now. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Silva's got to go. I I get it. it. It doesn't matter why we're capitulating and why we're not picking up points and why we've been so poor at this point. We're just not getting the results, and clearly it's. I don't think there's anything Silva can do that you can argue that there is something that another manager could do at this point. But it, it may just come down, frankly, to the fact that. The, the players have got to hear a new voice at this point, uh, regardless of how much they are competing for him. I, I've, I've seen a lot of people note that today, that, that, we, that the players still compete for him. The problem has been both in the consistency level of that competitiveness level and the ability or inability, rather, of Everton to not only compete but compete competently. That word competence is a huge part yeah. of that as well because the effort looks like it's there. Like, you know, but, but when you lack the ability to make simple plays, when you lack the ability to hold on to the ball for long enough stretches, when you make critical mistakes at critical times, that's when your competence is ultimately uh, judged and that's when it's comp- – compromised to the point that we're seeing now and, and Everton are frankly paying a, a steep price for it mm-hmm. I mentioned the world words a little bit earlier Robin it was inevitable and it, it feels like when we get to certain stages in football matches that these defeats these sort of narrow hard luck stories which we've seen so often this season seem inevitable now <clears throat> that that's a slight on on everybody involved really the players and the manager because you, if you take any of those games where we've conceded either a last-minute winner or even when we've had the bad luck down at Brighton as well, um, which people seem to mention a lot when they're, they're talking about the points we potentially could have in the Premier League to this point, um, I sort of start to get annoyed by that um, the more it happens because quite clearly when it's happening repetitively, it's not just bad luck. There's something else ingrained in this group of people that ultimately sees us arrive in these situations. And that's probably a psychological thing. It's been a psychological thing for many times. We're going to somewhere on Wednesday where that bears fruit every single year and doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon. I think that inferiority complex is rife within the club. And uh, it's something I've spoken about for many years, the the sort of the downing of tools, the... You know, oh, we'll, we'll battle hard here, but ultimately we all know the end of this story, um, and it's a tiresome one. But you, 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 you're talking there as if you don't wholly put this result on silver, and it shouldn't be a, a contributory factor to 
what people think of whether he should be the manager at the club for much longer or not. Um, well, I, because I think that, that question's already been answered. Yeah, yeah, and I'm inclined to, to, to agree with that, but I, I just wanted to make the point as well, Rob, that it, it doesn't change our feelings towards what we would like to happen there. It's, it's just a case of this particular game on its own merits didn't, didn't deserve to have as much heat thrown on the manager as we've seen in previous weeks. That's already a given, I think right. I'm right in saying, aren't I? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and again, I think we're we're talking about two things. Yeah. On the macro, on the macro level, it, it, it doesn't. It don't. Again, it doesn't really matter uh, at this point whose fault. You know, like you, we all love to pat ourselves on the back when we can assign blame correctly. Um, and, and again, <laughs> part of that is just a diagnosis thing. But but it's more complex than most of us make out. I mean, I think that Twitter is built for black and white diagnoses when the, when the reality is exactly what you alluded to before. Yes, there are there is kind of a mental a lack of mental fitness in the club. Uh, there is a sense of an inferiority complex. There are dark mystical forces that we've talked about which is <laughs> which are clearly in play. Um, but it is also frankly uh, players that weren't added in the summer it is injuries it is the manager picking the wrong team it is the manager making the wrong adjustment it is oftentimes the manager picking the right team and the players then not performing it is then you know maybe maybe a, two or three of those things go right where uh, they pick the right team the players perform well but it but they just miss a goal by you know a hair like we saw with Moise Keane which I thought that goal went into um, and and then, and then we go to the other end, and, and it's just that that second that second that the that the flicker of light turns off in the brain for a player, and suddenly you've got a, a mistake that's punished. It is a confluence of shit, man. Mm. It is just a confluence of factors, and it, it's there's no way to solve all of them at once, right? Um, there is a longer term issue of needing to solve the bigger mental picture problems with the club. But right now in the immediate short term, Everton have got to start getting some points. Hmm. The schedule is going to be pretty brutal. We all know that. Um, there's a, there's a, <laughs> that's why that, that game last week against Norwich is so killer. Because if they lose this, lose a close game here, but they collected three points last week, they can, they can feel bad about how it ended. But at least they got the three points last week. To, cut, to take nothing from both of these games headed into Wednesday, it just, it, it's just crushing. Hmm. Uh, I, I'm not going to prognosticate when you've got five months left in a season, uh, five or six months left in a season that, that, that we're done. Uh, but, but we're obviously certainly uh, at a threat right now. But the league is so bad that the gap between, the gap between here and sixth and here in relegation are so narrow because of just how bad the rest of the league is, is as well. So I think that's probably saved Silva, you know, bought him a little bit of time. But frankly, I think the way Everton will continue to look at this is that they're always one or two wins away from being pretty safe and pretty comfortable in mid-table again. And so I, I think, though, that the run of form makes us all feel a lot more anxious. Uh, but, but, but really, it's hard to look at the schedule upcoming and point to a game and say, oh, yeah, I think, I think we definitely should feel like we're going to get points there. I think Everton have forfeited that kind of faith, in, faith for many of us uh, in the way that they're playing right now. And what's funny about all of this is that they beat Southampton two games ago, and yet that somehow feels like 
a month yeah, ago or two yeah. months ago. It's yeah, amazing. same as West Ham as well. You know, you, you think we've only we've only won four games this season, and I think back to all of them, Watford feels like it was last season. Um, then the Wolves game because they they were all it was still t-shirt weather back then <laughs> and um, the West Ham one as well was sort of like as we were going into the autumn and obviously um, Southampton was, was what three weeks ago now which is um, you know it, again adds to concern but I just want to pick up on the point you made about um, the, the sort of feeling that we're only ever a couple of wins away from um, well, mid-table safety, um, mediocrity, whatever you want want to call it, and not actually that far away from getting our season back on track. I think where I begin to get anxious is the. It feels to me like that that would be us sleepwalking into a situation that we don't realise is so serious until it really gets that way. So, for instance, when people say to me on social media. Well, Everton are only, I don't know, six points away off fifth or whatever it is. And I think it's seven now. Um, we're only that, that couple of points away. So, you know, literally a couple of results will change that. That is one hell of a, an assumption to make for two right. reasons. One, the way we're playing and the performances and the games we're losing. And two, you mentioned it before yourself, the run of fixtures that we've got. That adds to my anxiety that this is much more of a serious situation than many people give it credit for because there's one notion in this league that's existed forever as far as I'm concerned and that is it is really foolish to say that you're too good to go down in this league because it's happened before good teams yeah. or I say good teams th- three sides who aren't the three worst sides in the league don't always go down so when when you look at Premier League teams over there. Yeah, I mean, H- Huddersfield survived a bonus season <laughs> yeah. at the expense of someone that probably shouldn't have gone. Exactly. Yeah, but I'm no, also, I get it, I get it. Yeah, I'm also thinking of the times when, I think when West Ham went down in the early 2000s. They actually hit 42 points that season. They had like Paolo Di Canio. Um, I think Joe Cole was still about back then. They, they had a really talented squad. And, and it happens. Newcastle a few years ago, they, 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 had, they still had some top-class players. These things happen. Now, I don't want to be a doom-monger as far as that's concerned because the fact still remains. We are only a couple of wins away from this sort of looking like it's somewhere headed back to what we were predicting and wanted at the start of this season. But I can't help but feel that the more people don't really have an appreciation and awareness of this situation, the more difficult it'll become when it does finally hit them. Um, and by that I mean Jamie Carragher did a wonderful piece Robert it's been doing the rounds on social media on Monday Night Football and he was talking about Everton's situation in regards to there's no obvious choice for manager because there's nobody everybody would fully approve of he's absolutely right there but what he also said was he thinks come Christmas it might have been Christmas or New Year he'd be astonished if Everton aren't in the bottom three and you look at that league table right now after this weekend's games I completely agree with him um, because we don't look like picking up points for the same consistent reasons that we're getting wrong. Now, whilst we we heaped a bit of praise on Marco Silva for that first half and for his team selection and tactics, I think the second half was all of our fears realised once again and another confirmation of how bad things really are with him because we seem to find it's the same way we continue to lose matches and and we discussed it just now with the with the psychological effect the years of sort of stagnation has had on the football club and the players we seem to recruit don't seem to make any difference to that. It seems to transcend them. Um, 
But when you, you, you keep playing with fire this way and you do get burned, and I, I'm of the belief that as well as getting a new manager in sooner rather than later, whilst this is left to fester, it, it has a really long-lasting effect. So when people talk about leaving Marco Silva in charge for games that we were likely, or let's go to a phrase used by Farhad Mashiri, expected <laughs> losses, um, just to coin a phrase from a few years ago, which nobody seemed to like. Um, when, when these things tend to happen, it feels to me like a confirmation that, well, why are we waiting around to find a man that we so far haven't been able to decide on? The whole point I'm trying to get at is I feel like there's been such indecisiveness at boardroom level that they seem to think what we're going through now under Marco Silva is more acceptable than actually trying to force the situation a bit and go and get a manager, agree on somebody, approach them and and go from there. Um, Now, while many people will caveat that with, well, say if they've decided on somebody and he's not attainable or say they can't agree on somebody, it gets to a point in the season when you're doing so poorly and I think we're about to reach that point if we haven't already where that sort of disagreement at that level has to be put to one side and people need to think far more pragmatically and openly in the interests of what's best for this football club. Because when you find yourself in a situation when it comes to New Year, which sadly I believe will be in, where we're thinking, right, okay, the immediate the immediate target this season and priority is getting 40 points in this league. That is when people start to think irrationally, but we can already accuse them of doing that now because they haven't acted yet on Marco Silva. We've seen another club today in Watford who've acted because of the severity of the situation. We That doesn't seem to be forthcoming with ourselves at the moment. Um, and I do, I do pose the question to many people, is remaining with Marco Silva for the sole reason you can't think of or you can't get an alternative the right thing to do in this situation and the more we lose games the more we perform like we did the more that inevitable inevitable collapse comes at the end of matches that we seem to see every single week almost the more I think well do you know what maybe you start to to stem the blood flow to stem the blood loss by getting rid of the manager first and foremost and then you are forced into a situation where, say, if Mishiri is pulling in one direction and Bill Kenwright another, where they have to come together, they have to put their heads together for the sake of the football club and not their own personal views on who should be next to come in. Because I think today, Rob, that result, just to finish, is a perfect one for this board to be able to come out and basically reiterate what Mark, what Marcel Brand said the other day in his statement, which was, we know results have got to improve um, and we're sticking with Marco Silva for now. I think they'll be able to notch this one up to, oh, well, we were really hard done by, we probably should have came away with a point and it was a battling performance that proved the players were behind Marco Silva. Whether that's true or not, it's still in that realm of indecisiveness, which is still blighting every single thing we do right now and it does not sit comfortably with me. Well, let's let's talk about. I mean, you bring up a lot there, but let's let's talk about how difficult, increasingly difficult, this needle is to thread. There's the short term issue that at what point are we at the stage where we're in full panic? Um, and uh, I don't know. For some, that's already happened, but for most, I'm not sure we're quite there yet no. um, because of the amount of time that goes in this, that it has to go in the season. So. If the answer is your panic, then what's what's what do you prescribe at that point? Well, 
you know, Marcel Brands is being pulled in a lot of different ways. If he appoints, uh, if he appoints a firefighter, if he appoints a retread like Hughes or especially Moyes at this point, uh, he's damned for doing that because at that point he is not showing ambition. He is not showing that he had a plan, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but is that, is that not part? Of, sorry, Rob, just to pick you up on that. Is that not also part of this problem? No, the going back to what I said about people not fully appreciating the severity of the situation, because yeah. if if he's you're talking about putting a fire start uh, a fire, somebody puts out fires in charge of the club, um, that to me would indicate well, it's still a decisive act. You've you've moved to change the status quo. Um, right. Which, but it can't just be change for change sake. It's got to be, you know, with a clear intent based on the conditions. Yeah. Right. I mean, I look, here's the thing. I, I don't, I don't want to retread. I want to think that the reason we hired a director of football with his pedigree, with his background, with his history, with his level of competence, which I talked about, you know, earlier and yeah. I talked about with him a lot is that that's what we thought we were getting with him, right? So if he appoints a retread, then all of us can rightly think, well, God, Ken Wright could have appointed a retread with the whole point of having Branson here is that we hire something better. Mm. Having said that, the, the reality is, is that we're at the end of November, beginning of December. Um, it's, you know, the market out there is not, you know, is not ideal. Um, and, and so, you know, if you don't want the retread, but you want a, a more long-term answer at this point, which of course I, I, I'm all for finding a long-term answer, but like many people who want the long-term answer instead of the retread, I don't know exactly who that is. Um, that's is there somebody who ticks, with- is there anybody that ticks both boxes is the argument I would throw back because <sighs> I, I think, I think we're bordering on a line where it could be considered delusional. If we're to go into the new year in the bottom three in this Premier League, that people say we need to appoint a manager with ambition, when does that become we need to appoint a manager who will keep us in the Premier League? Because those two are very, very different. Can we do both? Yeah. I think that's the question. I think that's what everyone wants. I I think that's the ideal scenario. And that is quite, again, a needle to thread, which is I want someone long-term who is going to be a longer-term solution than just getting us to the end of the season, who can also competently come into the situation, steady the ship, and say, I'm going to take the talent that is on hand here that is still better than the bottom three talent in this league and get us safely to mid-table. Because at this point, with the injuries and everything else, right now, the focus has to be on survival and then we can talk about ambition to because ambition is great but i'm so almost tired of the word just because ambition is something for clubs that are competent and have built a foundation of something to build on which we we can't even win two games in a row so Mm. i'm not really at the i just let's save the ambition talk for later now having said that um that doesn't mean you can't find someone long term i i I, if you're asking me who i think is out there i'm i'm not the i'm not the best guy to answer this because i know there are a billion you know really there's a bunch of of managers managing really above their weight in the Dutch league or whatever that are probably great for this. I don't know. Um, I'm not going to pretend like I know that. I I would say, though, that if you wanted to give me a solution that if you told me tomorrow was going to be in place in the form of someone who is both experienced in the Premier League but could also, uh, based on their pedigree, you know, have the potential to bring us forward – I've got to ask the question, Dave, is Benitez really that bad of a shout at this point? No, absolutely not. I mean, I, look, I, I, I don't think that Benitez has just lit the world on fire since he left Liverpool, but he's won a Champions League. He's been pretty successful, mm. and more than anything, I, 
I, I get the sense that at the very least he could steer us out of this mess because he knows the league. He has that kind of experience, uh, but then also maybe help us build on something with additional investment if you want to look at the long term. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, I, I, I just I don't know how how actually uh, viable yeah. how viable that really is. I mean, uh, it, it's a it's a bit it's a it's. I mean, how much money are we still paying other managers? How much money yeah. are we paying Silva the leave? It's. It, it is. It's a practical concern at a certain point. Mm-hmm. I don't think does manager pay come into financial fair play. I sure hope not. My yeah. God, we'll be really <laughs> in big trouble. At you, this point. you know, but, you know, Robert. In this situation, and we've got a general election in the UK going on right now, and it's sort oh, of I've, I've heard, <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of uh, there are parallels, I think, with with certain things you see in the news, and that, and that is like you know you see these political parties making. Um, pledges in regards to what they're going to do with um, spending plans and manifestos and their ideas on the NHS and and things like that and and nationalising companies and things and I, and I feel as if Everton in their own little way feel that way to me because when we're looking to pick our candidate for the next manager of the football club if, if we're all sort of in a general consensus that Marco Silva is not going to be that man uh, who's long to be at the club uh, certainly into the new year then I start looking at well what can the people like Benitez like some of the other people that have been banded around a little bit Eddie Hart was mentioned again today um, when when you look at them what can they offer us we we have a very particular set of boxes that need to be ticked Rob and I, I suppose what I'm saying is Surely it's time now to to, to prioritise what is needed and what is wanted, and what is needed isn't necessarily what everybody wants, which was which is what brought about, I would say, the Sam Allardyce situation a couple of years ago, um, and and it feels to me like we're at that crossroads again now because, like you just said, they, do you go for somebody who? is a successful manager and has been a successful manager several years ago and I think personally did a wonderful job at Newcastle to get them firstly back into the Premier League and then to sustain the Premier League status they finished 13th in the league last season um, but do they tick the boxes of ambition um, because will again there'll be a budget for this and I'm pretty sure it won't be the sort of budget that we went and spent on Ronald Koeman and the, the sort of player acquisitions that we've just frittered money away on in recent years so that to me means and just to bring it back to the election the, the pledges on spending um, need to sort of fall in line with what we can go and get and when you mention that word ambition yeah look all of us want these projects to hit a trajectory that we can all be on board with for several years and we can all start to see an end goal that doesn't turn out to be a mirage or just a, a, a you know a pipe dream but sadly, you know, nearly half a billion, or probably well, it will be more than half a billion down the line, spent on players and managers, and certainly wages in the last few years since Mercedes come in. It feels like that all it's ever been has been a pipe dream. So I'm I'm saying that the way of thinking has to change at that level. And if I suppose this sort of brinkmanship that we've got at the moment, where there's looks to be no action regarding Marco Silva's immediate future. And there seems to be nobody lined up to come in. Perhaps I'm seeing some solace in that, in that they're not going and doing what they did by the quick sacking of Cooman and the quick, well, I say the quick appointment, the <laughs> knee-jerk appointment of Sam Allardyce. Um, although I would point out that this situation we're in now 
is far more severe than when Sam Allardyce come in. And again, I think that's another awareness thing that people need to take heed of in this situation. They can talk about how many points we are off fifth till the blue in the face. What I'd throw back to them is when does it look likely that we're going to get that amount of points in order to put us up there in fifth place? Because if you're talking about seven points or six points to fifth or whatever it is at the moment, well, I think you're personally looking to beyond Christmas before we achieve that points total and by which point fifth place will obviously be on a lot higher than six points away than it is right now so that's what I'd sort of throw back to many people but um, yeah just to just want to conclude Rob because I know you're off to do something far nicer than talk about Everton this afternoon <laughs> um, what do you take and this is a horrible question really that's no, fine do you take anything from today's game into Wednesday um, I know, obviously, even comically, uh, sadistically, many of us have written it off and are currently writing all of our punchlines to the joke that will undoubtedly be the performance at Anfield on Wednesday. But right. is there anything we take from today that you can think, do you know what, if he goes with that at Anfield and it somehow patches together like it did in the first half, the bulk of the first half against Leicester, then we may have a chance of getting out of there with something. Yeah, so I don't think it's a horrible question. And in fact, um, if you told me right now that we were starting the exact same 11 in the same formation at Anfield, I'd just say, yeah, why not? Let's like let's go with it. Because again, it's given the options or frankly the lack of options we have in midfield right now, I think not having Schneiderlin out there uh, helps on some level in regards to like an addition by subtraction sort of way. Um but but again, there aren't really a lot of good answers, guys. Like I could say, no, let's just go to four three three or four two three one. We just don't have the personnel right now, really, to 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 have any faith that we could pull that off too effectively right now. And and, and I'm I'm still not convinced that Sigurdsson does much uh, for this thing. But uh, either, but we just don't have enough bodies right now uh, to not to not play him and to you know. It, I, I think again, it's all about execution. Um, as bad as I feel about this, one thing that the sixty or you know or so odd minutes showed me today is that that they ought, we ought to clearly be better in the table than we are right now. Like you saw flashes of them playing together, playing playing well, creating some things. Mm. Um, you know, you saw some things. Again, it was all undermined though by the mistakes, and it was ultimately undermined by the result. I I, I, I feel bad because. You know, if they'd held on for a draw, they could have said, "All right, you know, we could we sh- we wanted the win, but that was a hard fought draw. Um, there were some th- good things that we did in this game that we can take out of this and go into Wednesday with." I'm afraid that the result completely, you know, undercuts all of that. But um, you know, you'd, you'd hope that the manager could try to remind them of that. But I, I think it's just so lost in the din of of just how crushing the the, the circumstances of the loss were today. Uh, you know, the, the the second goal that Leicester score was a good goal, and it was just crushing. And it's just one of those things where they ju- they 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 feel so they must feel like we do so snake bit at this point that they finally do a lot of things right, and it still doesn't seem to matter. And I think that once they, you know, as much as I joke about the curse, and I don't know if it's really a joke, but let's <laughs> just say that I talk about the curse. What we can't have is the, the players believing that it's against them in some supernatural way because I, I worry that that's what it is. Like we all think that they should just be mentally strong enough to overcome it, but 
how how much is any group of men supposed to take, dude? You know, like how how much can any group take in regards to this sort of like we said, these sadistic you know, new ways to, to capitulate, like how many groups can take this and just, you know, pick back up again and say, all right, we go again. I think that's where the idea of a new manager comes in because it's, it's at this point, maybe not about making radical formational changes because even the new manager is going to be restricted by the squad he's got. It's about hearing a different voice, a different tone. and, And frankly, as much as they, they do seem to care about Silva, you can't tell me that they don't look around at each other right now and think this is we all know how this is going to go. You know, as much as we're saying it, I think that, you know, what we worry about is that it gets into their head. So changing the manager at this point is to me like Silva's done plenty wrong. I'm not, I just I'm not even mad at Silva anymore. I just mm. think he's got to be put out of his misery at yeah. this point. And believe me, if these players could be put out of their misery at this point, uh, I think some of them might might do that. But but having said all of that, I saw a lot of effort out there. I saw a lot of things. It's just that they've got to have they've just got to be better when it matters most and and there are no easy solutions for that um a manager is one part of that equation but anyone who thinks that this is all getting solved easily or swiftly with one appointment i I think you're fooling yourself Uh, i think that right now and i said this after the injury to gomesh Given what we we've lost in midfield and how unavailable Delph has been, you know, on top of uh, Gomez and, and JPG, um, and and really w- what we've what we've seen in terms of drop off from other players, like you know, one thing that has been talked about a lot, Dave, is Luca Dean's not the same player this season that he Absolutely was last not. season. No, um, you know, we saw Sidibe was my man of the match for Everton today. I thought he was great, but man, uh, like I, I wanted to, I was hoping to get that kind of production out of both of them. Mm-hmm. But but Dean's been Dean has just not been a difference maker. Um, you know, Pickford has his moments, uh, and and I thought he was, uh, you know, he thought he was pretty good at some key times today. But you know, then he'll have a game where his distribution is terrible. Uh, Michael Keane has fallen off of a cliff. I mean, compared to last season, he's been brought out, you know, back in from out, out from the cold and. And he was he was not great today. And no. again, I know that I, I, I like to say that well, it's a back three, but you know he played in the black back three at Burnley. So I, you know I don't know what to think anymore. But 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 as much as we can easily and point to the manager, and the manager deserves blame, and the manager is going to pay for it with his job. Players that we expected to perform most most notably are are you know our record transfer Gilfie Sigurdsson, who I think has clearly been the biggest of all of the letdowns this season. But but it's just been a drop off across the board with only a player or two here and there who've actually played well or elevated their games. Um, you know if, if everyone had the the effort and the grit of Richarlison today, we're, we're gonna we're gonna have better results. But but uh, you know it's just that they can't seem to put it all together at the same time, and um, so that's where that's why we find ourselves where we are. So. Um, the last thing I'll say, Dave, is, is Brands came out with that video before the game talking about you know sticking together, and, and then you saw the, the interview with Pickford saying he doesn't want to change a manager. Um, I think that I, I think that I get why they felt like they had to say that, especially if they don't have anyone in mind. I take solace from the fact that Moyes or Hughes was not immediately appointed in the last week or so, uh, because I'd like to think that Brands is pushing, putting pause, uh, putting you know. 
pressing pause, even if it annoys some of us, but he's at least pressing pause to really genuinely consider his options and to get his ducks ducks in a row. I'm, I can probably live with that. But the t- as you said before, the time's coming and it's coming quickly and the decision has to be made. And as I said on the kickabout earlier this week, the decision that Marcel Brands makes is going to be the most pivotal decision, not just because it's the manager, uh, but because it's going to show us whether or not Marcel Brands was a figment of our imaginations or, you know, in terms of what we thought we were getting or if he is someone who has essentially had his role neutered in this process or is someone who doesn't have the imagination or creativity yeah. to, to give us something more than the most obvious choice. So, yeah. again, not not easy. It's going to be a, this is a really tough nut to crack and, and, and Marcel Brands is, is really going to have to earn his money and it's going to start uh, – it's going to start it, – it's already started it, it, as you can imagine. But, um, you know, the, the bills come and due and, and he's got he's to get things in order really soon. Absolutely right. Spot on, Rob. I think I agree with everything you said there. Um, I think there's a, there's more than Marco Silva's neck on the line at the moment. Uh, and if he is, if he's already somebody who's who's felt the force of this and and has effectively lost his job and is a dead man walking, then um, you know there, there are plenty of other people who will have to show some accountability in the coming weeks and months. Um, we roll on, however, uh, you know, with the blue room, we stick through them through with through thick and thin, uh, where others may give up, and uh, I think they could be forgiven for giving up uh, at this stage. But we will be back with another full week's worth of content, uh, beginning tomorrow and Tuesday with Subs Weekly, the weekly on Radio City Talk. That um, really unenviable trip to Anfield comes on Wednesday. We'll be there both before and after it to give you a preview and review on the post-match. Thanks so much to Rob for joining me after another, um, well, not pitiful performance. I don't think we go that far, but a pitiful result for Everton that leaves them. (laughs) Hey, Dave. Hey, Dave. Can I say one last thing? It was especially cruel that they did this to Matt while he was on his stag. Yeah, man. and I saw he, he, he did vow to me that he wasn't going to try and watch the game while he was on his stag too, but I did see a little sneaky tweet where he quite clearly had been watching the game, yeah. uh, and yeah. I think we've echoed many of his concerns in this show. So hopefully he'll have a good listen to it on the flight on the way home to put him in the mood while he's hungover and moody all week long to talk <laughs> about uh, the Merseyside derby, which is up next. Uh, it doesn't get any easier, does it? We'll see you next time on the Blue Room post-match. What makes for a great vacation? Depends on who you ask. Are you looking to get away or bring everyone together? Do you want to get outside and play or see a play at the plate? Fortunately, however you operate, I'm the destination you've been looking for. The name's Missouri, but you can call me Mo. And I have just one question. What's your M.O.? To find your M.O., tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.